0: So, good morning. Thank you, Michael. That was beautiful. Okay, we're talking this morning more about our monthly theme, Living as Compassionate Conduits. And I changed it up on you last week. I know we started the month off with Plug In, and I was going to go to Turn On last week, but you know, the week just called for tuning in. So, I reversed the talk titles. So, Tune In was last week, and today I'm talking about turning on. So, remember, I don't make these monthly themes up. These are themes that come from the Science of Mind magazine, and it's a great resource for you to have to to read more about what those monthly themes are on your own. So if you don't have a subscription, get one. And if you don't know how to get one, give us a call, because we can arrange to have a subscription for you. So do that, because it's a great resource. It's a wonderful magazine, and the guides to daily living are just so inspirational. It's like the uplift. So do that. Do yourself a favor. Get a subscription to the Science of Mind magazine. It's great reading. So last week I talked about tuning in, right? Where, where, What are you tuning into? The highs or the lows, the lights or the darkness or whatever. But today I'm talking about turning on. We have to be in the flow. We have to be conscious of this incredible power and presence that is within us, around us, before us, above us, below us, beneath us, around us, totally immersing us, right? We are one with this incredible energy that we call spirit. This energy is everything. It, it just absolutely makes up energy. <laughs> what is that old joke about atoms, right? Don't trust atoms, they make up everything. <laughs> but it's true. This energy is everything. It is everything that we are. It's everything in the manifest universe and, in the, and really in the unmanifest universe. There is only energy, and we are a part of it, and we are always plugged into it. We can't not be because it is the very fiber of our being, right? But we must be aware that we are an intricate part of this whole life. We are an intricate and inseparable part of this life of God's, you know, and it and and once we know that we're part of it, once we know we are plugged in to this limitless energy, then we have to turn on, right? We have to turn it on. You know, a lamp won't even work, even if it's plugged into an electrical outlet, unless we turn it on right? Same thing with us. We have to turn on to let this energy flow through us. And, you know, when we, when we turn it on, whatever it is, right, then the light lights, then the toaster warms, then the coffee maker percolates, or whatever it does, right? That's what happens. We have to turn it on. Just plugging in is not enough. Once we know we're connected to source, we have to do something. We have to turn it on. So, so what does that mean to us, really? Right? Well, well, for me, I think, well, what do I do? Right? What, what do I do? What turns me on? <laughs> so that's my question today. What turns you on? What turns you on? What is your passion? What is your purpose? What is that thing that absolutely lights you up? What is your bliss? Because that's your turn on right? What do you do when you do it? Time just sort of drifts away, right? What is that thing that you can get absolutely lost in? Because that's your passion. That's, that's your thing, you know? That thing that, that when you start talking about it, you get so excited, right? Your whole face changes, You get all caught up in when you when you talk about it with others. What is that thing? What is that thing that that makes your heart sing when you think about doing it or when you are doing it? Because that is your passion. That is is your bliss, you know? Go do that for a living. People have said that, right? People have said that to you. People tell you that all the time, I know. Do what you love and the money will follow. Haven't you heard that? Yeah, of course. Do what you love and the money will follow. Do what you love and you never have to work a day in your life. Live the dream. Follow your calling. And you know, sometimes it does not work out that way. So let's, let's be real here, right? Because that's, that's what we do. But sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Sometimes you do something for a living to be able to do what you love in another area. And that happens as well, doesn't it? I know you've had that happen, right? That, that I'm sure somebody, I'm sure everybody actually listening, has, has had more than one job in your lifetime, has had more than one career, perhaps, has had more than one calling so far in, in your lifetime, This happens to many of us, right? Did you go to college? What did you major in? Are you working in the field that you got your degree in? Probably not. You know, we are told now that people will have 15 jobs in their lifetime, right? So so probably not. You're probably not working in the field you got degreed in. And, and what really makes me laugh is we, we ask college grads all the time, okay, so what are you going to do, right? You just got your degree, you know? He's got his diploma in his hand. He's just, just moved his tassel over. What are you going to do for the rest of your life? Nobody knows what they're going to do for the rest of their lives as if they knew, right? Things change. We change. Our interests change. Our passions change. So how, how about do now what you are passionate about now, whether or not it is your income producer. Th- this is what I'm talking about. This is turning on, right? It does not have to be what you do for a living. Those can be two different things. You know, I-, I read somewhere that there are three orientations when it comes to your work right? There is your job orientation, your career orientation, and your calling orientation. And your job orientation is just that. It is just a paycheck. It's a way to make ends meet. It's a way to pay the bills. It frees you up to pursue your passion in your off time, right? That's what its purpose is. And Ernest Holmes said this, I love this. He said this in Freedom from Stress. He said, we must idealize our job. We must praise it and bless it and see perfection in it. We must see ourselves so expanded that if the job is not big enough for us, we will automatically be lifted into another one. But we cannot accomplish this if we continue to curse to belittle, and to criticize it. So think about that. How do you get up and go to work in the morning? What do you say? How do you get into your job, right? We cannot hope and pray and and visualize and, and affirm for something greater if we're busy cursing the one we already have, right? So we must bless it. No, that's, that's your job orientation. It's just a means to an end. It just pays the bills. You punch in, you punch out. You get your money, you go home, so that it frees you up to do the things you love. The career orientation is focused on a path. It is focused on promotions. It is going up the ladder, right? This is the career orientation, getting to the top of your chosen field, this is what is important to you. And it, it may be your calling. It may be your passion. But it is absol- you, you are absolutely involved with it. It is your, your um, goal, right? And then the third one is your calling orientation. This is in alignment with a person's identity. What I do is who I am right? That is the calling orientation. And what's important to understand about these orientations is that you're not just one of them. You are not just one of them. Depending on your passions and your interests and your needs, you can be in one of those now. You can have been in another one in the past. You can be in another one in the future. You can can move through all of them and then back again. It's not just one thing. The thing is, your, it's your passion. Whether your passion is in your, your, your now passion, I'm talking about, the thing you're passionate about right now, because it can change over the course of a lifetime too. The passion that you're passionate about right now, whether it's paying the bills or whether it's being expressed outside of your quote unquote job, is beside the point, right? It is not the important part. It's the getting to do what we're passionate about that is the important part. It's being able to do it, whether it's our job or whether it's not our job, whether it's our hobby or whether it's our passion, whether we're being paid for it or not being paid for it. The important part is to be experiencing the ability to live that passion, doing what makes you happy, excited, joyful, whether or not it's your income producer. That's the important part. In The Science of Mind, Ernest Holmes said this, no matter what the occupation of such a man, he is a mental and spiritual practitioner. And from such daily meditation, he should venture forth into a life of action with the will to do, the determination to be, and a joy in becoming. That's a lovely thing to think about, right? You are a practitioner. Ernest Holmes believed all people are practitioners because we practice the science of mind and spirit. That makes us all practitioners. We walk this particular path of unfoldment. So we are all practitioners of this practice. Now, some of us get licensed in the field, but that's not the important part here. The important part is we are all practicing the presence of God in this particular way, with this particular faith, faith tradition. So plugging in and turning on is really getting in touch with what excites us. It is what excites us, what animates us with enthusiasm, because that's the way life is meant to be lived, to wake up in the morning and and just be, be excited about what the day has to bring, to be excited for your contribution, to be excited about what your undertaking is. You know, enthusiasm, the very word enthusiasm in theos, it means possessed by a god. Right? This is the way we live life, possessed by a God. And that'll get you going, won't it? (laughs) You know, in the book Ernest Holmes, His Life and Times, uh, which was written by Fenwick Holmes, his brother, Fenwick wrote this. Here again, there is no truly, there is no true, there is truly no way to separate the man himself to depict Dr. Holmes at work and Ernest at play. His work was for people, and his recreation was people. If a hobby, as As Mr. Webster asserts, is an engrossing topic, a plan, et cetera, to which one constantly reverts to, and uh, also an occupation or interest to which one gives his spare time, then whether at work or at play, Ernest was enjoying his single hobby. His hobby was people. So I would say that Ernest Holmes had a calling orientation in the years he founded and developed the Institute of Religious Science. Later, the Church of Religious Science today centers for spiritual living. You know, I'm not sure that he would have said that about his first job in California when he was a purchasing agent for the city of Venice, he may not have considered that a calling orientation. I know what he had said about that time he spent as a purchasing agent in Venice is that he liked that job because it gave him so much time to read at his desk. Don't you love it? I just think that's so funny. Anyway, and it was there that he was introduced to the writings of Thomas Troward. So um, in the book, Ernest Holmes, The First Religious Scientist, which was written by James Reed. James Reed wrote this, he said, Ernest liked the climate of California, particularly of Venice. He liked helping out on Sunday in the church, and he found a job he liked, a purchasing agent for the city of Venice. What he especially liked about the job was that it allowed him plenty of time to study. So there again, you you can see that this was a job orientation for Ernest, right? This was not a calling orientation. This was a job that freed him up To pursue his passion, to be able to do what he wanted to do. And so so in this way, he went on to start lecturing in his spare time off of his regular job. He began lecturing on metaphysics in, in lecture halls and in libraries after work and on the weekends, you know, in his off time. And after a while, he was making more money lecturing on the weekend than he was in his weekly quote-unquote, full-time job, right? And so after three years as a purchasing agent in Venice, he quit. He quit the job to speak full-time. And so that's one way also that we can begin to do what turns us on, even though it's not supporting us, right? Ernest Holmes did that. He started speaking, but it was not his income producer at first. It was his hobby. It was his side sideline. His, his job orientation allowed him to develop this, this calling orientation that he had. You know, and how many of us, how many of us have been hired on uh, after we have been volunteering at a job, right? I know, raise your hand. <laughs> I know that many of us, get paid positions because we're there, we're present, we're volunteering, we're putting in the hours, we're putting in the work where our hearts are in what we're doing. We're passionate about the volunteer position. And then it turns into a paid position. You know, this is, this is the way many of us change careers, right? By, by volunteering at first, and then it develops into a career orientation, or it develops into a calling orientation. Ernest Holmes said in in How to Change Your Life, you might, in fact, be greatly surprised to find that kind, generous, free service may be just the thing to set in motion the activities which will result in a job you need increased business, or some other financial circumstance that you desire, right? So there are many ways for us to be turned on to life, to discover the things that delight us, that enthuse us. Whether or not you are job-oriented in the moment, there, there is always time to pursue our passion. You know, get off Facebook. <laughs> I know Facebook's not your passion, it's just a time waster. It's just kind of peeking into other people's lives, you know, to try to see what everybody else is doing. So get off Facebook and do what you love to do. Do what you love to do, whether it's volunteering, whether it's getting a side job, getting something, developing something on your own, or whether it's just a hobby right? Pursue your passion in some way. You know, it's not, I heard that, you know, it's not, it's not um, a, a boredom about our jobs. It's our routines sometimes that wear us down. So having these passionate outlets just absolutely disrupts that, you know, so that we can be passionate about something. We can be enthused about life. It is important to pursue our passions. And and yet, okay, I want to just add this, and yet it's not the only thing, too, because meaning is just as important, right? Of course we want to pursue our passions. Of course we want to be enthused about life. But, you know, the meaning that we bring to anything that we do is so important. It might mean the work that we're currently doing, even if we're struggling with it, even if it doesn't spark your passion, it just might have great meaning. If not to you, then maybe to the people that you're serving in that capacity. So we have to look at that as well. There is great meaning in the work we're doing. Even if it's not the thing that lights us up, we we absolutely contribute in all ways. Whether it is a job orientation, a career orientation, or a calling orientation, we are always contributing something to the greater good. And that, that is what gives our lives meaning. Whether it's passionate, whether it's difficult, whether it's challenging, we know and accept that what we do, is our individualized expression of God. And we're here, and we're doing it in a way that no one else can do it because you are one of a kind. No one else can do what you do the way you're doing it right now. Ernest Holmes in the Science of Mind textbook wrote this. Equally, we must not fear the future. I see that the future is bright with promise. It beckons me forward into a more complete realization of my own worth and my rightful place in the universe. All my tomorrows will be happy and filled with harmonious occupations. I look to a future with great and pleasurable anticipation, knowing it will expand my opportunity for radiant self-expression. And really, that's why we are here. Ernest Holmes said he loved the definition of Sri Aurobindo's uh, reason for living, right? He said, we exist for the delight of God. And that just tickled Ernest Holmes. He thought that that was a beautiful reason why we're here. We exist for the delight of God. And it's true. And we do. And we, we exist for our own delight as well to light ourselves up, to be those full and radiant beings, fully self-expressing, living our passion, living the ultimate life that we can imagine, and then allowing spirit to make it even better. We are here to be turned on to everything, everything that life has to offer and to live as our full, radiant, self-expressed self. Go do that. Thank you so much.